Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. We are in the middle of um, quite a windstorm here in Maine, and our lovely guest, Amy Cher, has coined it uh, fake spring. (laughs) Right, Amy? (laughs) Yes. Fake spring. Fake, we're in full fake spring here. If it if I have a snowstorm on top of this, I'm going to come find you, Amy. I no snow. <laughs> we just might every every year. It's like it's getting warm. It's spring, and then the next day there's wind or rain or something crazy that tells us, okay, that was a nice a nice day, but we won't get real spring for a while. Oh, yeah, I need real spring. I'm I'm done with. I'm even done with fake spring now. I'm definitely done with winter. I'm done with fake spring. Bring on the real stuff. So, <sighs> all right. Because we have you here, we have, oh, my goodness gracious, I'm so excited to have, have you with us. We have Amy Share, Amy B. Share, and she's written this amazing book, everybody. It's called How to Heal Yourself from Depression When No One Else Can, and um, she has her book in front of her, too. She told me that before we went on air, <laughs> but uh, because you're here with us on the radio, I want to make sure, Amy, that people know where to go to find you if they want to look you know, look while they're listening and so forth. So your website is, I'm just going to spell it, guys. It's A-M-Y-B-S-H-E-R.com. Amy, did I get that right? With a little You stumble? got it. Perfect. Okay. I'm going to read it one more time. A-M-Y-B-S-C-H-E-R.com. And then also you're on YouTube, same name. Um, so she can be found online there. Also Facebook. Um, do you have a favorite place to hang out, Amy? just in case people want to find you, I, follow you. Yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I feel too old or unable to use Twitter. So while I'm there, I'm not there often. Okay, <laughs> so, so we can so we can Instagram. make a pretty decent bet you're not on TikTok either. I am not on TikTok, and, and I hear it's a wonderful place to be, but I have no <laughs> intention of going there. <laughs> okay, so I can't entice you over to Snapchat either. Get, some, get your bunny ears on. And... Not yet. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, all right, so this is an amazing book. It's from Sounds True, one of my favorite publishers. I love the gang over at Sounds True. And you're a best-selling author, and this book, again, is called How to Heal Yourself from Depression When No One Else Can. I kind of want to start, Amy, by backing – Back, can we back up? Would it be okay? Yeah. Like we know this is your new book, but let's back up. What got you on this journey of becoming an author? Thank you for asking. So I always wanted to be a writer or I always wanted to be an author since I was young, but I never had any intention of writing about this. And you may, you may or may not relate that we, we sort of know what direction we want to go into, you know, in sometimes, but life, ta- life makes it specific for us. Life gives us that sort of oomph to go there. And I had my own um, healing journey many years ago. I've been well for a, a decade now, but I had prior to that my own healing journey through chronic Lyme disease. I had nerve damage and brain lesions and, mm. you know, all kinds of pain sorry. issues. sorry. 
Really, thank you. And I really, I, I exhausted all possibilities, essentially, for medically addressing those issues. And I exhausted all possibilities for naturally addressing those issues. Um, I did many therapies and many, you know, treatments that helped. But what really led me to complete and permanent healing was working on what I call my emotional landscape, my thoughts, beliefs, and emotions. And these are not things that um, that I thought I needed to work on because I have always been a very positive person. I've always been very self-aware. My dad was a therapist, so when you grow up in a house with a therapist, yeah. ask all of the time how you feel and what you're feeling. Overly aware. And, um, yes. Um, but what I discovered was that that I had and that we all have buried traumas, subconscious beliefs, stuck emotions in our bodies, things that we aren't always in touch with on a day-to-day basis, and that those things can actually cause such a stress on the body that, one, it either contributes to the breakdown of the immune system and the nervous system and can contribute to emotional and physical symptoms, or two, can actually slow down or prevent our healing because we, we, inside of us is not the environment it could be or should be to really promote healing. So that's how I got into this work. It, again, I always wanted to write. I never had any idea when I was, you know, 10, 12, 15, that, you know, that age when I really was like, I want to be a writer. That was before, obviously, I got, you know, debilitatingly sick with Lyme disease. And and after I got well, I really felt a pull to talk about it and help other people um, with the tools that I sometimes discovered, sometimes created in order to heal permanently and completely. What was the cutest thing you ever wrote as a kid? <laughs> Just so the curious. Thing I used to... I used to write poetry, and it, now oh. when I look at it, it was so cute and sweet. Now as an adult, I have no, like, I am not a poet. It's so funny that that's the majority of what I wrote when I was younger, and I think it's very cute. Um, but now I would have no, I don't even know how, I would not know how to write it. But that's probably me being an adult thinking I need to know how to write it to write it, which is not true. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's fear of people who actually know how to write poetry creeping in on your brain. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Is it, um, I saw, I, now fix this for me, but I saw a, a really scribbly either Facebook post or Instagram. I can't remember which one it yes. was, but but is it safe to say you're not an artist either? Or, <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was actually, that was actually a clip art picture. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something funny though, since you bring this up that I don't think Maybe that I've never are. shared. Um, during during the lockdown, uh, I live in New York City, so we were very locked down for a while with oh, yeah. everything in our area because it's so dense here. Um, yeah. I discovered, I for my wife, who had always wanted to take an art class for her birthday, I bought her an online a Zoom art class with an art studio in New York. And oh, cool. I thought, well, it's not going to be fun if she does it alone. So I'll do it with her, even though I have zero interest in drawing. I don't know how to draw. I don't <laughs> care if I never know how to draw. I'll do it. And what did I discover that I can draw? And I never really? had any idea. So I think those of us who can create art in one area can probably create it in other areas, mm-hmm. which is all of us. But that's my funny drawing story. That was a clip art that you saw on Instagram, and everybody can go there and see that. That was a scribble. But my actual art is real art, and I never knew until I was 40. How crazy is that? 
Okay, I love that. And now I need some posted artwork just for Best Ever You yes. to go with this post. That 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 has to I like be launched that. in this moment, though. You know, like one little piece of Amy artwork. Very cool. Yeah, I, I doodle. I you. doodle. I doodle cats and doodle trees, and I doodle. But it, I don't know. I don't know that anybody's going to pay me for that artwork. You never <laughs> like, know. You never, never know, know, though. That's a, that's the funny thing is we discover these things about ourselves. Like I don't even doodle. I don't even like. You know, I would be one of those people that would be like, I can't draw just in the same way. I am so sure that I can't sing, even though I've never like really tried to do it in in a organized fashion. I was sure I couldn't draw, so who knows? Well, you heard it here first. Everybody, Amy's new (laughs) album will be released sometime in 2022. Songs by Amy (laughs) Share. I'm challenging you that one, complete with. Complete with the. All right, you're going to do the album cover artwork. Yeah, you're welcome. Yes, hey, you never that's know. So true. I'll take a singing class. See where it leads me. You never know. Right now, sounds true. Is like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. right let's go. You have many <laughs> yes, exactly. They never knew, but now they do. Um, okay, so yeah. let's talk about this awesome book. How to heal yourself. Thanks for playing along in our reindeer games here. How to heal yourself from of depression course. when no one else can. Uh, so this is, this is truly life-changing. If, if you're listening and you know somebody or someone who suffers from any form of depression, from feeling exhausted or blue, COVID blues, whatever it is, uh, not being able to get out of bed, Amy is here to help you. So let's give some reasons why um, you wrote this book and what the book is about, if you will. Yes. So this book is the third in a series of healing books that I've written. And I always knew I only wanted to write three of these books. There will be no more. Well, as of now, there will be no more healing books. Um, Like I said, her album is coming out. Yes. The first one was about healing, you know, uh, chronic illness and physical symptoms. The second one was healing anxiety. And I didn't know what the third one was going to be about. And even before the pandemic hit, I decided that, I wanted to talk about depression. Why? Um, One, maybe I knew how important, you know, it would be at some point, but two, because I really felt like the way that I was helping clients and students with depression was vastly different from anybody else's approach to depression. And let me tell you what my perspective of depression is. This does not exclude any, Thing you understand from your doctor about what depression is. This is, does not exclude anything you already know about depression. This is an additional perspective I'd like you to entertain while I tell you about it. I believe from an energetic or emotional standpoint, again, not excluding some of us have chemical or hormonal, you know, imbalances that contribute, that depression is the literal depression of self. It's what happens when we get buried under our own lives and lose connection to who we really are. It's the depression or suppression of who you are. And when we lose that connection to our own core, we lose the connection to our wants, our desires, and those are the things that drive our joy and contentment in life. And so this book is all about unburying ourselves from the emotional baggage or junk that has fallen on top of us because of this thing called life, which has become so much more complicated in the last year for so many people, and helping you to change your reaction to stress, 
to let go of trauma and stuck emotions and to change beliefs that no longer serve you, such as I don't matter and I'm undeserving of happiness. So again, it is possible that contributors of, to depression are you know, nutritional deficiencies, chemical imbalances, but I truly believe that the stress that comes from emotional trauma, emotional baggage, all this stuff we carry can disrupt our body's own natural balance that then can create some of those, you know, chemical or hormonal imbalances we're talking about. And science is really has really caught up to this thought, especially in the past maybe five to 10 years, that we know that stress has a definitive effect on the physical body. And stress comes in so many forms. The biggest stresses in our lives aren't trying to get our kids to school or trying to figure out what to make for dinner. The stress that really affects us is the stress, the deep stress, emotional conflict, and trauma that we're holding inside. Hmm. That's a lot. But it's, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's, um, I like how you added instead of, um, get, you know, discounted everything. I really like Right. That. Thank because you for that. Because it honors you. everybody. They, and it has to honor everybody. Nobody, including me, likes to listen to anybody who tells me that everything I knew was wrong and I have to listen to their way. It doesn't feel right. And it, that's no. because it's not right. And my work, at the, including this book, is endorsed by um, it is endorsed by incredible physicians nationwide. I teach my, my work to staff in major hospitals. Um, because of what you just mm-hmm. said, because I don't discount any any other approach to healing, but I add an additional perspective that could benefit healing, could help it go faster. And, and you know, it's been really the last, I would say, five years where doctors have really been um, come on board more so, where, you know, I get the majority of students and clients that are sent to me via their doctor that says, well, they had another patient that, you know, everything started getting better once they started doing the emotional work with you or once they, you know, read the book, my books are carried in doctor's offices. So I am here to honor everything because I think we, that's what true, a true holistic approach is. What was your moment where you started to do your own emotional work? And was, was that, is this, is this what you're teaching? What helped you pull yourself out of sickness? Yes. So everything that I teach in my in How to Heal Yourself from Depression When No One Else Can is our techniques that either I learned along the way, and that's how they're cited in the book, or I created along the way because what I needed wasn't available. Um, and when, I love this question, when did I come to this emotional work myself? When mm-hmm. most of us come to dealing with our emotions, which is when nothing else has worked and we are out of money and out of <laughs> and out of um, patience, yeah. and then we decide to do the free thing that was there all along. So I literally traveled halfway across the world for treatment. I went to India, Delhi, India, for an experimental um, stem cell transplant, which greatly helped my body. However, about a year after I completed my stem cell treatment, I started to relapse. And it was then that I realized and started to research just how much the, the, our emotions and our emotional selves 
interact with the physical body. They are not mind, mind and body are not mind and body. They are mind body. They are what they are a cohesive unit. And it really did take literally nothing else working to the ends of the earth, basically, for me mm-hmm. to go, you know what, I wonder if there's something inside of me that could be that could be addressed. And again, I didn't realize along the way that I was missing some of this stuff because I understood positive thinking. I understood being a positive person and mm-hmm. I did all those things. I am one of the most positive people you'll ever meet. But I had stuff stuck inside of me and old emotional patterns like people pleasing and not being able to say no and blah 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 that were really depressing my true self. Can you take me and take our listeners back to that moment. I want to hear more about that moment because I kind of feel like if you hadn't had whatever moment or moments those were, you might be not here even. Absolutely. I'll tell you my moment. Like where were you? My or moment, what? Yeah. Yeah. My realization, my realization about my own emotional stuff possibly contributing to illness and depression and anxiety for me. My, my moment about realizing that came when I decided to give up the fight about if I was or wasn't to blame for my illness. So when I first started mm. researching the mind-body connection, I felt extremely defensive about the idea that my emotions or some way I was living my life could quote unquote, make me sick. And that's how a lot of mind, body, spirit teachers present the information. And I was immediately resistant, especially as a perfectionist and a Virgo, to <laughs> be open to the idea that I'm a Libra, so I did, <laughs> you're quite a pair. Yes, you get it. Okay, I'm on the I cup, so yes. I am too. I'm September 24th. Okay, I'm the 20th, so we're very close. So mm-hmm. I was immediately resistant to the idea that I could be imperfect in any way that caused <laughs> this problem I had. But what I came to, my, my moment, my epiphany was, who the heck cares? Like, what, what, why am I in this thing so defensively around if I did or didn't some way, consciously or subconsciously, contribute to the breakdown of my body and when I decided that I didn't care like who cares let's say let's say it was my fault which it's never anybody's fault but let's say it was who cares like what did why did I care so much that I was actually blocking myself from addressing things that could help me get better and I mm-hmm. really did come to the to the conclusion that I didn't care If part of it was my fault, I didn't care because if part of it was my fault, I actually had more power to change it than I thought. I would have be part of the solution. And that was my, that was my moment that if I kept resisting looking at myself in every way, shape and form from every angle to see what I could do to heal, I would not heal. I would either sick or I would die. Yeah, I'm going to stay on this for a second just because I think this is really helpful for people. Like if you're having this moment where you're like, what do I do? Um, Was this pen to paper? Was this a long hot bath? Was this a walk? Was this a plane ride? Where was this moment or was it a bunch of them strung together? Like what's your process? 
I get that you have the thoughts, uh, but like what, how did it come, come out? Yeah. I just think I had this thought. I just had this thought, like suddenly I had been fighting about this thing for so long. I had one doctor one time who asked me, so it was like, is there anything like very delicately, like, is there anything at home <laughs> or your relationship or anything that could be causing stress? And I just like lied through my teeth. I was like, no, my relationship's great. Thank you very much. Everything's perfect. And moving on, please help me with my medical condition. And he never asked again, which either would I. Um, but something in me, I think was, ooh, that wouldn't have hurt so bad if it wasn't possibly true. And I was in a relationship <laughs> that was toxic. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe it's just as things do, it came, the question came back to me at the right time. But when I asked it to myself, I was ready to answer truthfully. Because mm-hmm. between the time that doctor asked it and the time I asked it, I hadn't gotten any better. So what was I being, so what was I holding on to? And I think what happens is we hold on to a certain perspective or a stance that we have in our life for so long that we're on autopilot believing it and fighting for it and rallying for it. And at some point it just doesn't fit the, the story doesn't fit our lives anymore. And I think it's important to ask ourselves, and I write about this in the book, but to, to be willing to look at or ask yourself who you are periodically, not every 10 years, but every two months. Like, it's okay to ask yourself if things are changing. It's okay to assume you will evolve as you should. But what happens is we get our career set, we get our relationship set, we get our geography set, and we go, okay, and we kind of, you know, wipe our hands clean of ever having to deal with it again. Great, we got everything set. Now we can just live. Coast. But we don't ask. Yeah, we can coast. But if you're on autopilot, you won't notice if something doesn't fit for you anymore. And when you live in that space of something not fitting for you anymore, it doesn't feel good to your body. And that's what I missed. I think that's the key also, just a, just a, a added point. I think that's the key to relationships too. As a person who's yeah. been married for a really long time, that check-in is so important. So you're just not coasting through a relationship, assuming everything's great and fine without you know marriage maintenance or whatever. I just think it's yes. so important because you're, you know, I've been married since I was, I was thinking about this this morning, actually, totally unrelated to this, but it comes up, just came up again. I'm thinking about this, you know, I've been married. Um, I'm now 50, almost 52. I've been married to Peter since I was 28 years old. And one of our magic things we have about us is the ability to maneuver through things as things change. I've been just thinking about that because we were looking at this little picture of the kids and they were like, it was 2004 I and they were like, that. I loved it. <laughs> there's a, there's another one that goes with that that I'll post probably in the next day or two, but you know, they're so little and now they're all in college and they're like, wow. And I really remember having these moments kind of like what you're, you know, they can be, they can be the same as exactly what you're saying, but applied to different scenarios and situations. It's the same thing applied. But, you know, like I remember um, all in a, a bit of time, you know, like my father passed away and then all the kids were out of the house from into college. And I remember thinking, wow, this is kind of real funky time, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? You know, it was a little bit depressing, a little bit anxiety, a little bit just like you know, happy for them. Woe is me, you know, just kind of like, yeah. And we, we all have these all the time. I know I just took that. Sorry, but add to that, add to it. Cause I think it applies to no, so you're right. much. You're right. But 
Right. And the key is, and I say this in the book, and I say this everywhere I can say it, is being attentive to our own lives and needs. And what that means is not, you know, 10 years ago I wanted and needed this and great, I got it and now I'm done. But being <laughs> attentive to our own lives and needs as we move along in life and noticing when our needs and, and wants change. And I have to say because Yes, I, you know, I am a spiritual teacher in a, in a lot of ways and I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not one of those that's like, you know, um, I, I, I'll have to say that because this may come back to my Virgo Libra cusp, but I'm a realist. So I understand yeah. when I say this, not everybody can, you know, leave the job they hate today. Not everybody can just pick up and move, but it is still your responsibility to be attentive to your life in the ways you are able, we all have, we have socioeconomic limitations, we have family structure limitations. I honor all of those. That doesn't mean that um, you have to dump your life upside down today and go live your dream. You are not, you know, you are allowed to worry about logistics because we are spiritual beings, but we live on earth in physical bodies with other physical people. So I like to always say that, um, you know. Yeah, it's a good but, point. But with it, yeah, and I think I think it's really important in this in this current time that that we're in to be sensitive to. You know, there are those that there are those that you know live by the law of attraction and all of those you know principles, which I actually really really love. But I have my own sort of you know use them when you're able, you but also it's okay. I believe to acknowledge reality and that we do have our limitations and we're responsible for for reaching for what we want and need, what works for our lives. And so you are responsible with what you have, with what you have to make, to make the most of it for yourself. I agree. I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the word action. And even if you're in a, like a job you don't love or, or something, you know, you're feeling stuck or something like that, do one thing, do one thing a day that makes you feel unstuck. Um, anything, you know, it doesn't have to be a total upheaval. Um, I, I, you know, I, I completely agree with you and don't, don't wait for things to arrive. (laughs) Don't love that. Oh, I love that. I'm I'm clapping. I know I shouldn't clap. I know I shouldn't clap into my microphone, but I am clapping over here because, um, there are so many there that are, yes, that are so focused on, trusting the universe and manifesting and all of that is okay. There's nothing wrong with all of that. But we forget, especially in this day of like every spiritual teacher, there's stuff we can do. Like I, you know, there's stuff we can do. There's stuff we can do to change. We have, we have, you know, free will. We don't have to wait to see what fate gives us. If you are able to go after something, go after it. We don't always have to trust the universe. We can also make a decision for ourselves in the here and yeah. now instead of waiting. So I like to trust the universe with a twist. <laughs> That's my version yes, of it. With I a, trust the universe yes. with a little bit of a twist that I'm in control of my own destiny and like to some yes. extent and as much as I can be. Um, not a control freak, but, you know, like taking action like I like to. Um, to do the things I want right. to do um, at, while remembering my value and my worth and my, you know, but I like, I like action. I'm a big action fan. Yes. Um, and, doing sometimes, the things. and sometimes, you know what, it is easier and faster than waiting, waiting. for the universe. 
or whatever. I was telling someone this story the other day. I was saying, you know, typically when I'm, when I'm feeling really stressed and overwhelmed, I will do energy work. And yeah. for a while, when I first got into energy work, I would do it. I would do the tapping that I would teach. I would do the sweep technique, all these things that I teach in my book. And, and, and if I was so overwhelmed about like getting to my email or whatever I had to do, I would sit and do all this energy work. And at one point it occurred to me that I was tipping too far to that side of the spectrum of default energy work and I had the thought I could just get up and do this 10-minute task and be done instead of taking an hour to do energy work so that I wasn't as stressed do you know what I mean it was like I I do I am although I am doing that thing like Yes, yeah, and I, I do think like the meditation, the energy work, the yoga, whatever people do can help us, you know, be in a better place to do tasks. But sometimes just get up and do the task and you'll feel so much better that you won't need the extra hour of meditation today. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think it all it all works together. You've got to find the balance like us Libras and Virgos. But, you know, if you do discover energy work that, you know, gets the dishwasher unloaded magically, I want to know it. Oh my God! In all your, too, in all your pondering over there, you let me know. Please, <laughs> I not yet. Be... I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> oh goodness! All right. The other thing I like too is like go. I love goals, but I, I I'm goals with a twist too. I like goals that are verbalized. I really like. Got a, if you got a goal, you need people to show up and help you with it. I think. I don't think we do a lot of things on our own. Like even you, I'm. I I know I've had a I had a book I wanted to write, and I'm like, uh, Amy. I got a big goal here. And you're like, ah, I will help you. You know, you know, those things, like when you have a goal, it's so cool when you verbalize them because people show up in your favor. Yeah. And you show up, you show up. Yeah. Everybody shows up when you do it. (laughs) Don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. For sure. Okay. That was fun. I have a question for you. You just won an award. I want to know more about it. It was like money in your pocket and everything, like a movie script or something. Tell me more yes, about that. So, Yay, you. So I actually didn't even know. I didn't Woo-hoo. even know there was a financial prize. That was like that was like a by the way at the end of the conversation. But I had already been so excited. <laughs> so I I I submitted my. I have a memoir called "This Is How I Saved My Life," all about my journey around the world to find a cure for chronic, my chronic Lyme disease. And, um, and I submitted it to a contest, which was a book to film contest. So if you, so there were three, there were like a first prize, a second prize, and a third prize. And I won the first prize, so I got, basically now the company is pitching, you know, production houses and agents to help me get it made into a movie. But I won, and I was so excited to win, just to win it, to get the help to (laughs) develop it into a script, that when they said at the end, where should we send your money to? I was like, what? And I was, that was, that was a definite bonus, but I was Perfect. just so Elizabeth Garino at, no. Yeah. <laughs> next time, Elizabeth, next time. Okay. Um, I was just so honored and excited to have that help in the next step I'm of good. developing my story into a film. So one day. So excited. Yay. That's so Thank cool. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Tell me Thank more you. about this book. Where's this book going? This is, uh, did, Oh my gosh! It I see it I see it doing its little percolating on Amazon and everything it needs to do. What are your hopes for this book? So it's, again, it's called How to so Heal this, Yourself from Depression When No One Else Can. For those of you just listening, yeah. So this book, 
Yeah, this book I just want to end up in the hands of whoever needs it. That's it. Perfect. My first couple of books I had loftier goals in terms of like sales numbers and like making my publisher happy and all of these things. And this book from the very moment I not the very moment I started writing it because that was not a smooth process, but the moment <laughs> I finished reading it, I knew that all I did for this book was all, all I needed to do for this book was already done and it would get to who needed it. So this book has been the most relaxing book I've ever put into the world because I just feel like it are, it has some energy that already knows what to do and it doesn't need, of course it needs help, but it doesn't need as much help as, as my, maybe my first book or my second book. Yeah, good. Good for you. That's a great goal. Um, <clears throat> before we go, we're going to take just a few more minutes and talk about this bad cat you have. <laughs> my bad cat. Yeah. So I so in my in my on my website and everywhere, I say live with my beautiful wife and my bad cat. And everybody always asks me what's so bad about my cat, and in truth, he's not. He used to be worse. He's not. The worst he could be worse, but but he could be worse. He used to be worse, and he could be worse. What is so interesting is that we adopted him, we rescued him um, six years ago. Although we were terrible mothers, and for about five years we kept saying he was two years old because we weren't keeping track. But now we know he's six, and I wanted because I've always worked at home. I wanted a cat, a cuddly cat to keep me company at home and to, to snuggle on rainy days and to be my best friend. And so we went to the rescue and I picked the sleepiest, most mellow, sweetest orange tabby cat in a, in a, like a litter of 10. And I held him and he was cuddly and he loved me and I loved him and I knew he was the perfect cat for me, and that was the last time he ever let me hold him without trying to push me away. So I call him a bad cat because he was everything I didn't plan to get, which I think happens with people and their kids, but I don't have kids. And he is the worst cat because he hates to snuggle, and he doesn't care if I am happy with him or mad at him or sad with him. He doesn't care. But in that same way, he is also the best spiritual teacher because he does his own thing, and he does not try to please anybody, trust me, not even for food. If he doesn't want to do something, including let me pet him, then that you know he he is he has a strong voice about it um so he's a bad cat cuz he's he's so fiercely independent and and curious and clever and and just has his own has his so own funny. Um, life path which inclu- which does not include much of my myself and my wife but that's also okay <laughs> oh gosh well here at Shagarino in Maine when you come to visit if you do ever um, yes. You you can pick your cat and they will sleep on your head. So you can have your I, pick of one so of three animals. So excited that are on I the opposite so end excited. of that spectrum. <laughs> yes, because I think I literally got what what do they say? Like you get the pet, and we've like I know this because we've been we so fostered funny. we've fostered many dogs and stuff. But you get you get the animal in your life that you need, not the one that you want. And, and Stanley, our cat named after Stanley, Stanley and the golden girls um, is truly, is, is truly the cat I needed and didn't want, but I love him so much. 
Well, Mel, the podcast kitty, who is a feral rescue rescue cat, is right here. She's been out for the whole interview. Oh. If it were video, you could see her. Um, she only comes out when she loves our guests. So you're loved, just so you know. Yay, thank Mel you. is your cat. <laughs> I love it. It anyway. might not be my, loved by my cat, but by somebody else's cat. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mel, Mel loves you. Anyway, all right, Amy. Um, it was super fun talking to you, and I'm so proud of you and so grateful that you've got this book out to help so many people. And uh, is there anything that you want to add to our conversation before we go? I think it was perfect and complete just how it was. Thank you so much for having me here. And I'd love to meet you all on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or wherever you hang out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been a true pleasure. All right, everybody. That's Amy Share. We love her. Her book is called How to Heal Yourself from Depression When No One Else Can. We'll put up links to the book. We hope you all have a great day. And thank you again. Thanks, Amy, for being with us. We appreciate it. Thanks so Take much. Care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.